Well, as uh, Ryan said, my name is Dave Beatty. Uh, for those of you who are visiting here, um, I'm an associate pastor. And uh, if, you, um, if you're familiar at all with church speak, you know that that could mean anything. Here's how I like to illustrate it. Um, for every theological conversation that Todd has, I have one about the broken toilet. <laughs> this is something that actually most of my work is administrative, and I also work to support the, the ministries, the staff here. And that is a, a joy because we have a, a wonderful staff and great ministries here. Um, I had agreed to fill in for Todd this morning a couple of weeks ago and had prepared a sermon, and the title to that sermon is in your bulletin. By about 9 o'clock on Friday morning, I knew that that wasn't what I was going to speak about this morning. Um, my youngest son, Matthew, came in to see me um, at about 7 o'clock, which is very early for him, and uh, um, in the living room where I, was, I usually sit and read and think and pray, and he, um, he was a little upset, and he said... Uh, I said, what's going on? He said, didn't you hear? And I hadn't heard. I hadn't turned on any news or um, uh, television or read anything. And so um, he explained to me what had happened in the wee hours of Friday morning and uh, how it was troubling him. So we know that that tragedy will overshadow everything for a while. And so rather than what I was going to talk about, we need to go a different direction this morning. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to Todd on the phone yesterday, and he wanted to share with you his heart that, or me to share with you his heart that he wished he could be here. He's uh, on vacation in Michigan. It would be a tough thing for him to get here this morning, but his heart is here. And uh, he affirmed for me that it was important for us this morning, rather than to do the lesson that I intended to do, that we take a little bit of time and look at God's word to find the reassurance and the comfort and the strength and the encouragement that we might need. So that's what I hope to do this morning. It's a tough task. Uh, it's a tough task to stand in for Todd no matter what, but it's a tough task uh, to feel that I could um, actually speak something that would help you. I like to say to young guys when they're uh, going to preach or teach, and I say it to myself all the time, that there's a story in the Bible in Numbers 22 where God made a donkey speak. So anything's possible. <laughs> you can figure that out. Let's pray together and we'll... we'll... Our Heavenly Father, we, um, we come to you sometimes just with our heads spinning, with our hearts broken. We can't understand or make sense out of what happens in our world. And we come to you for answers, but not the why and not the how could this, but the what do we do? What do we do now, Lord? And so we pray this morning that you will answer that question in our hearts and that you will um, reground us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out, it's, it's, it's tough to even find a, a right starting place, but I want to start out with uh, three perspectives about the shooting in, in the theater uh, that... Uh, that came to me this week just um, in interesting ways. The first perspective is uh, from uh, a radio broadcast that I was listening to yesterday morning. And interestingly enough, they were interviewing a guy at a political rally, rally 
and the, the interviewer was talking to the guy about the fact that uh, President Obama and Mitt Romney has, have suspended politics as usual for a while in recognition of the deep wound that we've all suffered as a nation. And they asked the guy what he thought about that, and he, his response was just amazing and, and uh, appalling in some ways to me. He said, well, really? Really, I'm a lot more concerned about jobs. He said, uh, you know, he was in Florida or some, some distant place from us, and he said, um, um, what happened in Colorado? That's, a, you know, that's in Colorado. And he went on to say that a local business had, um, had posted a couple of part-time jobs, and 40 or 50 people had applied for them, and there were only two positions available. And his concern was jobs, not that 12 people had been murdered in a movie theater. The second, well, and let me just say this about that, because I don't want to beat that guy up. The truth is, we all respond to the most and are worried about the most the things that touch our lives, the things that are closest to us. So in fairness to him, that's, that's what was on his heart. And who knows, maybe he's been employed for, un unemployed for a long time and suffered through that and whatever. The second perspective, though, comes uh, from my daughter, who lives in Seattle. Amanda um, does have connections with Colorado because this is where she grew up and connections with this church. She was in the youth group in 1999 when the dark days of Columbine hit and they had a huge impact on her life as they did on many of your sons and daughters and, and, and all of us really. Um, and we were talking to Amanda about how disturbing this was to her younger brother, Matthew. And she was giving us some insight and she... Um, uh, had to hang up the phone, and she sent us a, a text um, as a follow-up, and it, it's, it goes like this. Sure, he's in the demographic who would go to a late-night showing, too. Not that it couldn't happen at any time of day. I think it's just being confronted with how unsafe the world is. And for me, I worry increasingly less for myself and more for my kids. But when you're still young like Matthew... You really can't help but have acute awareness of what that might mean for yourself. It's interesting how these things evolve as you grow. I remember how I felt after Columbine. I asked Matthew what was the most disturbing part of that whole report, and he explained that he knew a lot of kids were at um, premieres for that movie on Friday night, and he was worried about them. And since I have also heard from many of you and parents who had the same concerns that their kids went to that premiere and they didn't know exactly which theater they were in and it was a frightening time. But if I could uh, just glean uh, a little bit of, from what Manda said, I'd like to just say two things. One's to you guys. <clears throat> just listen to this old man for a second. My goodness, we love you. So, when we say don't text and drive and put your seatbelt on and let us know who you're going to be with and where you're going and when you're coming home. It's not because we want to control your life. It's because we worry about you. It's because we know the world can be, not all the time, but it can be a very dangerous place. And we want you, we want you to have the greatest life and we also want you to be safe. So cut us a little slack if we're on you sometimes. It's because of how much you mean.
I'm an old guy, I get to say that kind of thing. Then let me talk to the old guys here, to the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and the coaches and the teachers. You know what Maya said was really interesting, how many kids are just filled with anger. You know what they need, guys? They need, they need a lot of stability from us. They need us to protect those homes, and they need us to let them know that we love them. You know, um, when I uh, speak to young couples in a, in a wedding, and I talk to grooms, I always say to a groom, listen, you love your wife. And I, said, the test, I say the test for that is not whether you know that you love her, but whether that she knows that you love her. That's the test. That's the test for your kids. It's not whether you know you love your kids. It's whether they know it. So that's a second perspective from Manda. The third perspective comes from my, my friend, Conrad Jones, right down here. Great guy. If you don't know Conrad, you need to know him. Conrad wrote an email. It, it, uh, it went to several people, in, in, uh, including me, and he said this on Friday. You may know that I uh, may know or not that I currently work as an active duty Air Force member at Buckley. Last night, a dozen or so of my friends were at the theater in Aurora where the shooting happened. A couple were hurt physically, and many were hurting emotionally, and I'm asking for prayer for all involved and for God to give me the words and the ways he would like me to show his love. That's what you would expect from, from Conrad, to have the right words to say, to show God's love. I wrote back and said, I'm certain the Lord's placed you in a strategic position to bring hope and comfort to your friends, because I know that's true. And the best word of strength I can give you comes from Psalm 46, which we're going to look at in just a minute. A little bit later, um, Conrad wrote this. My friend, Jesse Childress, died, Dave. My heart is broken. Keep me in your prayers. I have tons to say, and I need God's guidance. What do you say? What do you say to Conrad? I just told him I didn't have any words, but that, that I was praying for him. And then a little bit later, on Friday night, he, or last night, he said, I don't recall ever feeling this sad. I think it's because so many of my close friends were there, and I can feel their suffering. I had just played a volleyball tournament with Jesse on Thursday, and I'm so thankful I could see the three obvious Christians at work yesterday. It was divine. Three perspectives. One from somebody a long ways away who wasn't really touched by this. One from somebody who has connections here and who lived through Columbine and, and has a family here and cares about. And somebody who, who's actually touched very closely um, by that tragedy. And my question to you today is, what do we do? What happened on Friday morning reminds us all just how fragile life as we live it is. Life can turn on a dime. It doesn't take a, a theater massacre or a school shooting um, to threaten our sense of order, our shalom. It could be a report from your doctor, in those words, you have cancer. It could be news that your house was burned to the ground like so many of our neighbors in Colorado this, this summer. It could be your boss saying, I'm sorry, your position has uh, been terminated. Or it could be your spouse saying, I'm just unhappy, I want a divorce. There are a lot of things that can shake our world. And when we feel the foundations, 
begin to move, what do we do? Where do we go? There's only one place to go. We go to God's Word. And that's where I want to turn this morning. I want to read to you if you want to turn to Psalm 46. And let me just read this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at these words, and they are, as Dave McDonald reminded us last week, words, we find, because they come from you, the strength and the comfort we need to continue on in life. Lord, we, we have so many questions that we will never answer this morning. But we do, Lord, turn to you and we pray that you'll help us to somehow hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. God is our refuge, the place where we go for shelter and safety. God is our refuge. That means not a place that we go, but that we go to him. And when we hear his words and when we stand in his presence and when we remember what he has done for us and how he has expressed his love to us in so many ways, we find that place of refuge. And so we say with uh, David in Psalm 11, we say these words that are so powerful. The Lord, in the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes the sons of man. He examines, his eyes examine them, and the Lord examines the righteous. But the wicked and those who love violence, his soul hates. The Lord is righteous. He loves justice and upright men will see his face. God is our refuge. You may not know this, but this psalm um, was the inspiration for Martin Luther to write a great hymn of the church, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Think of a fortress, the place uh, behind those walls, a bulwark, a, an impenetrable wall, a wall that can't be, um, th th that will defend you. God is our refuge and our strength when we don't have any strength. And we come to that place where we find the end of ourselves and we know that we don't have any strength. And without his strength, we will not be able to make it. But his strength is there. He is our refuge, he is our strength. He is an ever-present 
help. God is always near us. One of my favorite writers is a guy named Dallas Willard. And Dallas, um, in one of his books, talks about the Lord's Prayer and, and how that Jesus taught us to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he says, when we say, our Father who art in heaven, sometimes our mind seems to go to the place where we think God is in heaven somewhere far away, and that all the goodness of his presence is some in the time in the distant future. And he says that really a better translation of those words would be our Father who lives in the heavenlies. And the heavenlies means the spiritual world that's all around us, that God lives everywhere around us in the spiritual dimension. We're limited by time and space, and God invented time and space, um, and he lives outside of time and space, and he entered time and space for our sake to be a, a, a faithful high priest and to show us who he is in Jesus. But God is everywhere. He is instant. He is ever-present whenever things happen. He is our help. He's not a bystander or an observer. He is our help. So in Psalm 21, we read the words, um, when I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He will not let your foot slip. So he is our help in trouble, in trouble when we need him most. And then the psalmist says, therefore, we will not fear. Isn't fear the first response for us when trouble comes, when something as horrible and as terrifying as what happened on fr uh, Friday morning in that theater, isn't fear what seizes us and, and really consumes us immediately? And yet um, the writer to the, to the psalm says, no, we will not fear. We will not fear, though the earth give way. When everything we rely on shakes, when we feel like we're in an earthquake and we can't uh, rely on the order that provides stability and assurance in our life. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake or even just a little tremor, but it's, it's an amazing experience because we, are, we take for granted the, the solidity of what's underneath our feet. It's, we're, we're grounded that way. We, we have to have it. And when it begins to shake, we just lose, we, we, we lose perspective. It's like, this can't be happening. And that's what happens sometimes in our lives. It's like an earthquake. It's like the ground shakes beneath us. And the, the psalmist says, we will not fear even if the earth would give way and though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. The psalmist is talking about the city of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem had no river that flowed through it. And so this is a metaphor. The expression is of the life-sustaining provision of God for his people, and not just the Israelites, but for all who trust in him. God's river sustains us. He ends the psalm with this, uh, this statement that we all have heard before. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still. Stop. Hold it. Listen. Know that I am God. 
If I could sum up what that psalm says to me and what I hope it says to you this morning, in the light of everything that we've seen in the last few days, it would be simply this. Our God is in control. He was in control. He is in control. He will be in control. And we can rely on him. We can rely on him to set right what's wrong and to, to ground us back in his strength. My, uh, um, agreed to, to sing a song to close us out today. Um, it's, it speaks for itself. It says those words again. Our God is in control. Go for it, buddy. This is not how it should be This is not how it could be This is how it is Our God is in control This is not how it will be When we finally will see with our own eyes, He was always in control, and we'll sing holy, holy, holy is our God, and we will finally really understand what it Sing holy, holy, holy is our God as we're waiting for that day. This is now where we plan to be when we started the journey. This is where we are. God is in control Though the first taste is bitter There will be sweetness forever When we finally taste and see
God is in control. Thank you, Maya. Let me ask you to stand for our benediction this morning. Reading from Isaiah chapter 26. I hope you're familiar with this verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. Father, we thank you that in the hard times of life, when life just turns around and bites us, when we can't make sense, that you are our eternal rock. Help us to stand firm on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week.